Hey guys, this is Anon Chimpy from Anontech.com. We are back with the official Anontech podcast, episode 20. Uh, joining us, we have Vivek Gary from our mobile team. Hi. And our resident smartphone expert, Brian Klug. Hey guys. Um, so we have a whole bunch of mobile stuff to talk about. Before we talk about that, I, if it's okay, I want to talk about Crucial's M500. Um, yes. So this is a super exciting drive simply because it's the first affordable uh, terabyte class SSD. So it's a two and a half inch SSD. Um, it's got a, uh, uh, a Marvell controller inside, 9187, custom Crucial firmware. It's not the fastest drive in the world, but for $600 MSRP, you can get a 960 gig version. Um, two and a half inch form factor, so it'll fit in your laptop. And it doesn't suck, which is supremely exciting. Because like all of the other terabyte class SSDs have either been really expensive or just terrible. Um, and, and this is the first one that is neither. So that's really exciting. And it gets there by using new 128 gigabit NAND die. Uh, so this is out of Intel and Micron's own fab. This is 20 nanometer NAND. It's 2-bit per cell MLC uh, and 128 gigabit per die. Um, and and they, they, they do some funny stuff to, to kind of get to that density. Um, so, so they actually get a little more uh, area efficiency out of the die um, through playing with page and block sizes. Uh, and, and there are some performance implications to that, which is why this, this drive isn't um, the fastest thing in the world. But you do get a drive that is way faster than a hard drive, um, just excellent as, a, as an SSD and it's super affordable. Like if I had a system that I could stuff a two and a half inch SSD into, this would be the one I would get. If, if I could you know, go for the $600, 960 gig version. Um, the, the smaller capacity drives are okay, but, but really the exciting one is that, that $600, um, 960. Uh, the only other interesting feature, I mean, this is like a very, very modern platform. So one thing that's really cool about it, it's the first drive that supports Microsoft's eDrive standard. Um, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Had, had either of you two heard of this? No, no, I've never no. heard of that. Yeah, so eDrive is really cool. If you apparently this is a Windows 8 thing. If your SSD has so all modern SSDs have uh, encryption, um, just real time hardware encryption, and it's kind of done for free because NAND doesn't like writing things like strings of zeros. Uh, so historically, all the SSD controller makers have always. Um, that they've just uh, they've scrambled the data before writing it anyways. Like it's just real crappy encryption that gets done. So the step from there to go to full AES two fifty six isn't that big of a jump. Um, so so modern controllers uh, will do some form of you know real time encryption. The problem is it's never exposed you know in a user controller controllable way to the end user. Uh, the way a lot of the drives work is you go into your BIOS, you set your ATA password you know eight to thirty some odd characters, uh, and that'll unlock or lock the drive. Uh, the problem there is obviously your security is limited by you know how good your your ATA password is, uh, and and there's no tie-in with things like BitLocker. So Microsoft fixes all of this with Windows 8 and and something called the eDrive spec. So with eDrive, if your drive supports um, TCG Opal 1.2 and IEEE 1667, uh, you can actually and and you have all the other platform requirements, you can actually have BitLocker leverage the hardware encryption on your drive. Um, which That's is super cool. cool. Yeah, wow. so, so the cool thing is, you know, today, if you have an SSD and let's say it's a 500 gig drive and it's full of data and you turn on BitLocker, there's like an initial encryption stage because it has to go and software encrypt everything. And then there's a CPU performance penalty as it has to encrypt and decrypt data on the fly. 
with an E drive, which the M500 is, uh, there is no initial encryption time because everything's already encrypted. It, it's just leveraging the hardware encryption that's on the drive itself. Uh, so whereas a 500 gig drive might take you an hour and a half to encrypt normally, uh, with the M500, it's just like a couple of seconds. Um, you know, you enable BitLocker and everything works. Now the requirements are you 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 can't use uh, MBR; it has to be a GPT um, partition. So you have to enable like uh, uh, GUID boot in in your EFI setup and, and all that stuff. So you have to make sure that your uh, your EFI is up to date and like your platform supports all this stuff. Um, obviously, you need proper BitLocker support. This only works under Windows 8 Pro and Enterprise, I believe. Uh, but when it works, it's cool. Uh, and it's nice to not have software encryption running on top of a drive that can already do hardware encryption. Um, so this is something, like eDrive is something I'm, I'm hoping to see from more SSD vendors going forward. Uh, the disappointing side is obviously it's it's not, uh, uh, from what I've seen from everyone's roadmaps, not everyone is jumping on this bandwagon. Um, anyways, that's M500. I've said my piece about it. Why don't uh, more drives have that? I mean, I thought San, Sandforce always... Their big thing was that we have AES hardware blocks, but they don't do this? Well, so Sandforce hasn't had a controller update since 2011, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> like, okay. Um, so this spec probably got published after that, and then correct. you can't just retroactively easily update that? Correct. So presumably maybe, you know, third-gen Sandforce, which is supposed to be out uh, Q3 or Q4 this year, that might support this. Um, but I know of drives that are be launching in the next month that won't support it. This seems really cool. This is like the way it should work. Exactly. And this is something that I'm hoping we'll see support for from Apple as well. Because um, there's there's no reason to do encryption and decryption in software if it's just going to be on your SSD to begin with. Right. Yeah, it's just like you're just re-encrypting data that's already encrypted. Correct. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about it. The M500, like I said, it's not the best performer in the world. Uh, they're still not prioritizing I.O. consistency, which I think is a really, really big um, user experience thing. So even at the 960 gig uh, volume or, or, or capacity point, you're still going to want to keep like 20% of the drive uh, kind of spare area, uh, just, just free. Um, and, and that's kind of a rule of thumb for everything, even Samsung's A40 Pros. That, that's, that's what I tell everyone to do. Um, so, so they haven't really addressed a lot of the stuff that I'd like to see SSD makers address. Uh, I know there'll be some guys coming out in the near future here that will. Uh, but again, at, at that capacity, at that price point, you, you really can't beat it. Um, there is one thing that I haven't written about that I have noticed. So the M500 is super aggressive on its idle time garbage collection. Um, so if you look at the way we do our tests, uh, you secure erase the drive, you precondition the drive, so you, you fill it with data, and then you, you run the benchmark. Um, the reason there, and, and this is particularly true on reads, uh, not all controllers, like if you read a freshly secure erase drive, uh, you might get artificially inflated read performance results, which is why we always fill the drive first, so you're actually reading valid data. The M500, for whatever reason, if it detects that you've put data on a, on a partition that, um, and, and then deleted the partition, uh, so don't trigger trim, just delete the partition, uh, it'll actually go in and start cleaning up that garbage data like aggressively. Um, this is the first drive I've seen that, that does it almost immediately. And as a result, it actually impacts our read performance numbers. So if you notice, our read numbers are actually a lot lower than a bunch of other sites that published. The reason being that we always fill the drive before we run read tests. Um, huh, and, and interesting. Historically, this hasn't been a problem because no one else just kicks into idle time garbage collection right away. 
but for some reason the M500 does. Um, I haven't had time to actually investigate and write about this, but uh, that's the explanation for that. Cool. Um, the frustrating thing in all of this is obviously I, I no longer use a notebook where I can put a two and a half inch drive in. <laughs> like it's, You're also on the Retina, right? Yeah, I'm on the, I've been on the 13-inch Retina because the 15 is unusable um, in coach. Like yeah. it's, oh, I can't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's un- too big. Well, it's unusable in a lot of different scenarios. But in coach, it's completely unusable. Like I can't, I, it's, I guess like I should preface that with like modern, modern airline coach. It's, it, I can't, I can't use it because even if the guy in front of me doesn't recline, um, it's, it's barely usable and that never exists, right? The guy in front of me is always like completely just reclining in my face. Um, and then I can't do anything. Well, you have to um, use it in your lap. I, that's, nope. Oh, I hate doing I that. I, I, I hate refuse. doing it too, but well, that's why I can't use it on a on a plane. I was actually flying to LA like a week ago with uh with my 15 inch, and I couldn't. It doesn't actually fit on Southwest's uh, tray tables, right? Like it's oh weird left. for me. It fits. I just like well, shove it in there. Ooh, and then and then when you open it, you can get like a like a 60 degree angle, and then you can't right like. No, I'm not talking on a tray table, man. Like I'm I'm. It's on my lap. Really? It, it, now, it does vary depending on the plane, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's, there have been too many situations where, like, I have to do some, I, like, there's a deadline, I'm going to miss something terrible if I don't write on the plane, and then I can't. So I'm like, okay, I just have to, I need to go to a slower hardware, apparently. <laughs> For me, the thing is that I find I'm very productive on the plane because there's no internet to distract. Yeah. You know? Like, if I just was on a plane all the time, it would be great. My productivity would be awesome. <laughs> no, I, I like working on planes. But then, I mean, there's just too many issues, right? Like, the, the dude in front of me reclining, just people on top of me while I'm working. Like, it's just, it tends to, ends up being a problem. Um, so, speaking of planes, I was recently on a plane to New York. And I went there, and I came back with a Galaxy S4 that I promptly sent to, to Brian. Um, and then you spent... A good old week with it, and yep. published part one of of your Galaxy S4 review while in like a very I mean like you were you were coming down with like a cold or something like it was just yeah it was a miracle that that I'm even still went getting live. over it I'm still <laughs> getting over it now it's kind of like a sinus infection but I don't yeah. I'm getting that fixed and then I got pink eye <laughs> over it so yeah so that that was a, like definitely a an emotional like struggle but we got we got something up which is yes. good. Um, Which is crazy. So, like, I, I remember I was coming back. Uh, I was visiting AMD. Oh, actually, I want to talk about AMD. We'll, we'll add that on later here. Um, I was visiting AMD, and, like, I'm, I'm in Dallas trying to fly home, and, and I get a message from Brian, and he's like, it, I don't – like, the NDA is going to lift that night. And he's like, I don't, I don't know if we can make this. And I'm like, oh, crap, this isn't good. <laughs> so I, I, I just – I was like, give me all of your data. And, and I just started writing based on data. And then – we, I posted some of that in the engine, and, and then, I, I don't know, you got a second wind, and then you just started piecing stuff together. So we were a few hours late, but we, we managed to get it live, amazingly enough. Right. Yeah, that worked out really well, I thought. You know, and it's not, it's not like a full review. We called it a part one. But, it, you know, it still has the majority of things. And, you know, even though, like, we had a week, it's like a week gets really turned into, like, a couple of days after you're done trying to run all the battery life tests. Yes. And, um, and there was also the hilarious. So the night before I go out to New York, you know, I, I, I asked Brian, I, I, you know, I'm going through what it was like for Galaxy S3, where they gave you the option of 
uh, for your review units, you know, you could have one of two or two carriers. Um, right. So, so I, I asked Brian, I'm like, okay, you know, what's your wish list, right? If they give me an option, which operators do you want? And, and he says, uh, AT&T, T-Mobile, and then like a lot of dots, then Verizon, and then like a huge <laughs> amount of space and then Sprint. And then it's like in parentheses, if it's Sprint, it's not getting reviewed. And, you know, yeah. we laughed about that. We were like, oh, I said it's whatever. a disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, of course, like I get the review unit and it's um, it's Sprint. <laughs> no, you said you're like you're in the lobby or something and you're like, I think the review unit is Sprint. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is just a disaster. And you know what? It's not it's not just me that feels that way about Sprint. It's everybody. And a lot of the other reviewers don't feel uh, like they want to be vocal enough. You know, and I understand maybe, you know, like they have other things that they're worried about, but yeah. I just don't care. You know, like I'll just tell it for what it is. Um, and they've privately said the same thing that it, like it's to the point now where um, if it's Sprint, it's almost impossible to really review it. You know, just because not not because we have some sort of huge vendetta against Sprint. Like, I learned that there are Sprint fanboys. Um, <laughs> you know, like, and what sucks about during that testing and the embargoed period was that I couldn't really show how bad it was, you know, because that would be violating NDA. So yes. I'm like, I just hate Sprint. And people are like, why? Well, I can't show you. Um, so, and then, you know, like, I still can't really show because then that would be violating another NDA. So that that just made it really difficult to communicate, you know, sort of the problem. But the graph is the graph. And that just made battery life testing a problem, and it's still not really comparable, right? Like, because we don't have LTE results, and I don't know. Like, I sound like I'm just complaining. Like, we got a review unit. That's nice, you know. Yes. But obviously, like, last time, we everybody was very spoiled uh, because, yeah, you could pick two operators, and boom, you know. So I picked AT&T and T-Mobile, and then later on, we got a Verizon one. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you you spent a lot of time up there getting it, and that, I mean that worked out well. We got we got something up. You know, my thoughts on the device itself um, kind of are unchanged. Uh, I I like the you know S view cover. I like that a lot. The fact that it unlocks. Like if I'm looking at what's actually objectively new, that is among like the top two things. You know, when you show it to people and they're like, "Wow, that's cool." And my big thing is that this is always the way it should have worked. You know, like we had three of these where it didn't unlock the device when you flip it open. And now it unlocks so, the device, which is awesome. It's perfect. Um, what so you were going to say cover something. For, yeah, for, for folks who don't know, it's the, like it's a flip cover. It's kind of like the you know, like the iPad cover, right? It, it right. attaches to the side of it. Or, or does it completely encase it? Um, what do you mean? It's, it's sort of like the, so basically it's a, you know, like we had the previous uh, flip covers where they're just a back case back you know battery case replacement i mean battery door uh and then there's a little material that connects like a front cover that flips down on the front and it's different from the you know like the ipad ones in that there's no like magnet that adheres it in place in fact if you leave it open for too long or like before you get it kind of broken in it's a little bit difficult to keep it closed um but that that existed for the s3 and the notes what's new now is that there's that window at top which is awesome and you can see glanceable information like, you know, text, the time of date, all these status indicators, you know, um, do things like call, you know, like call filtering, all that sort of stuff gets located at the top. And because it's AMOLED, they don't have to light up the whole display. So I like stuff like that. That makes 
that makes me smile just because it's cool and it's new. Um, I think the rest of it, you know, like it's sort of been fairly well understood even before devices went out to people. Uh, you know, you could have we could have started writing it then. Uh, but you know, I you know I'm still giving it a fair shake. It's not totally done yet. Uh, I think everybody kind of feels the same way that's involved in this and that they want to play with the Exynos 5 version more than the Snapdragon 600 version, which is nothing against Snapdragon, but it's just like that's how the cookie kind of crumbled, you know? Yeah, it's I mean, just... it's the Snapdragon 600 version is the one I would want to buy, but yeah, the right. Exynos 5 Octa version is the one I just want to play with. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's exactly how I feel about it. Although, you know, I would buy the the Korean one, like I said to you. I would buy the uh, the SHV-300S just because I can, or if, if I was able to, uh, just because that one has LTE, it has Exynos 5, uh, and it works on band 17, so it would work on AT&T LTE, oddly and enough. The X, and the Exynos 5 one, uh, is clocked higher in the Korean one as well. Uh, it's, I, I think, think one... there was a rumor about that, but I think it's, it ended up being 1.6. Oh really? Okay, because I, I saw think so. It, yeah, I saw it at one point eight. Um, so there is an interesting like thing that the governor kept changing, uh, and they they exposed those states but never used them, which is something that I'm kind kind of slowly battling and trying to get people to be more intelligent about, uh, which is like look at the state table and see where things get used as opposed to just look at the max. You know, like there's a there's a file you can go and like just look right. at. And that's what people were doing, which is obviously, you know, like, it's okay, but it's kind of daft in that, you know, like, if you go and actually look at it, the maximum it's ever going to is 1.6. Um, okay. And I could be wrong, but I checked on XDA just, like, right after people started getting the Korean one because I wanted a teardown, um, which, oddly enough, nobody has done yet. Right. And that's what I saw. And what's you really a... curious... I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, go no, ahead. No, no, keep... Well, you got a kernel dump from, from somebody... With the next, so yeah, it's easy. Well, right? you go on the open source disclosure thing, you can get it. And actually, Samsung does a good job. Like I believe kernel sources were posted for the the Snapdragon 600 USA variants before the phone even went on sale. Like before, like I think I was lo- people were looking at it before the phone was even like in our hands. So and that just gives you like the keys to the kingdom if you know what to look for. Uh, so there, yeah, and same with the. GTI 9500, i9505, and the Korean versions were all there. But, I mean, there are still things that you, you really need to just watch other stuff to see what's going on. And, yeah, I got one one reader to send me um, just, like, a Voodoo report with his... He, he has the SHV-E300K version, mm-hmm. which is, like, the same thing. Um, so that's that's interesting to look at. And what's what's kind of odd is that I saw it has... An SS222 modem. I'm not sure what that is. I think that's the successor to CMC221 and 221S, but I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it would seem logical. Maybe they're just renaming it Samsung instead of CMC, which I never quite understood what that stood for. And then, and do we know uh, is that is that Samsung IP? Like, do they uh, inside there? I I don't know. I don't know. It could be like 10 silica DSPs in there. I have no idea. You know, that's anybody's guess. Um, and remember, cause like we've asked and just there's radio silence. Like it's not something anybody wants to talk about. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, you know, I understand, but that's kind of, and you know, like 221S was interesting because that was in the S3 and it does LT and, um, 3G WCDMA and a GSM and all that stuff. So it has a full 3G stack in addition to LT. And that's kind of a weird, you know, combination of things, but I still, <laughs> 
I still hear the rumor that, uh, you know, the U.S. version of the Galaxy S4 doesn't have LTE because of Exynos. But it's like there is a variant that's shipping now with LTE and Exynos. So, like, like why would you say that? It's demonstrably wrong. Yeah. You know, like, so by I, observation, I think, wrong. Uh, it's interesting. Someone, I, I think someone even posted... Um, didn't Chipworks, they, they did an analysis and they posted a die size of the Exynos 5 part, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it worked out to be like 122 square millimeters, which is pretty big for a phone. Interesting. Right? Like yeah, I know I sent you the picture. I didn't. I don't know if they had the size. I didn't really look. They've been updating their stuff really, really, really fast, yeah. which is awesome. But I, I think we discussed this a while ago. Like, it, it, My guess is that Qualcomm just offered a great deal on... Um, SOC plus modem bundling, right? Well, this is a this is a platform, you know, like it's yeah. Fusion Three Plus. But in addition, you know, like that discussion, like I told Ganesh because he pointed me to an article, and I was like, everything in there is wrong, like just straight up wrong. Um, just no discussion about it, uh, like just period. And like one of the points was that uh, power consumption in LTE, and like some we're still. I'm st- we're still hearing this rumor that like SOCs aren't compatible with LTE and I'm doing quotes because it's like, does it have the right GPIOs? You know, like does it have the interface? Like, have you ever heard of HSIC, you know, and then it works like just include the drivers. The yeah, big exactly. problem is cert- car- operator certification. I almost said carrier operator <laughs> certification. And then, you know, like the whitelisting through the FCC and the, like, if this is a known platform and then in addition, you know, like previously the CDMA 2000 problem has been, you know, like a, a, a burden for Samsung to deal with because if you want to ship this, you know, like their LTE part, then you need to include a different other baseband, you know, like the Droid Charge, for example, and the Verizon Galaxy Nexus, both with the the um, CMC 220 and then 221 and then the Via Telecom CBP 7.1 thing for EVDO and 1X. And... I think the feedback almost universally was that everybody kind of like loathed that platform, you know, like that's just the end result, you yeah. know, and I kind of fought that for a while and, you know, on paper, it's fine. I think, I think it's probably very close performing, at least on term in voice and EVDO, but there's a difference and people were perceiving that difference as like a negative one. So just as a result, operators aren't really willing to like spend a lot of time and investment testing and, you know, like maybe it doesn't make, I guess, like you're saying, money is the real problem. It doesn't make sense to go through it when you have this other platform that works just fine and everybody yeah. is already validated. So, you know, like any of these other, like if you're looking for a technical reason, there really isn't one, you know, that's just wrong. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. Well, uh, what's interesting to me is, so so we now know confirmed, right, The for the Exynos 5 Octa versions, um, they're running the Exynos 5 Octa. For those of you who don't know, it's a uh, it's Samsung's SOC that has um, it's their big little implementation. So it's got four ARM Cortex A7s and four ARM Cortex A15s, uh, and you know one to four of each island can can be active, but you can't have a mixture of the two at this point. Um, and and so so now we know clock speeds, right? The the A7 island maxes out at 1.2, and and the A15 island maxes out at 1.6. Um, which I've said publicly is probably a bad idea um, in terms of power <laughs> consumption, right? Like, because we, we already have good power data on um, two A15s at 1.7 on 32 nanometer, and that's not the prettiest picture. Um, so going to four at 1.6 at 28, 
you cut power down a bit, but in a multi-threaded workload, like I just I want to hold one of these things and play with it because I I, I feel like it's it's not going to look good under heavy load uh, with four threads running on the A15 island. It's just going to throttle, you know. Like I think people have already said they've seen overheating. Interesting, but I never know what to believe reading things online. And plus, let's be honest, everything overheats right now. Like you know, I was telling you like I just have to stand next to my freezer. <laughs> so it, that that was interesting. So your Galaxy S4 um, review sample, it, it actually overheated. Mine overheats all the time. Looking at it, it overheats. Like, just doing stuff <laughs> on it, it overheats. And then, the, again, the display, AMOLED overheating. Like, I live in Arizona, but I'm, like, in an air-conditioned room 95% yeah. of the time. And it's overheating on my desk, you know. Um, so that's kind of another discussion is, like, what is the max brightness that I'm going to put in a table if, you know, like, if... If I put it on auto brightness and I shine the brightest LED I can find to just saturate the ambient light sensor, what does the brightness go to? What does the brightness go to on like the five MDNIE modes that demonstrably are unchanged from the previous generation that everybody seemed to think solved the AMOLED problem? Yeah, can um, we talk about that for a second? Like it's yeah. It's, so so in um, and it's my bad. I didn't actually pick this up when when we first did our hands on at the launch. Um, but, you know, Samsung has had these customizable display settings for a while, right? Dating back to what, Galaxy S2? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe that's where it started. Um, and, and I mean, either way, go back and read the reviews. I'm sh- I, I know I called it out. Like, this has been there forever. So, so the, the standard settings are what? They're standard, dynamic, and movie, right? And the idea is that... And natural. Know, okay. And, and, well, originally, well, at least on the Galaxy Note 8, there are only three settings. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. Well, there's, like, there's a handful. Then they're so, all like ambiguously named. Like I have no, you know, good luck finding out what they do. They do that so, on a lot of their things. My TV has the exact same floor settings. It's because it's the same MDNIE engine. Like, and that's the selling point. You know, like just like Sony does. They do that thing. Like they have this engine, right? It's literally the same. It's a light version. If you go into the code, it's MDNIE light. Like that's just what it is. I'm sorry, well, so, interrupted. <laughs> what, no, 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 that's fine. What's interesting is, um, at, you know, someone took a photo of, uh, I guess, one of the phones at, at the initial Galaxy S4 launch, and it had a new setting that was Adobe RGB. And a reader sent this in and said, oh, hey, you know, is this is this Samsung, like, fixing the, the issues commonly associated with, you know, AMOLED displays and, and just a lack of color calibration at the factory? Right. Um, and, and that was the big unknown for us, but you notice two different things, right? One, you notice that in the U.S. version, it's not called that. So th- so it's even more interesting. What? So then after that happened, and other, other people emailed and were like, does this solve it? And I was like, well, first of all, the MDNIE settings are nothing new. Like, there's just a new one that, or, you know, like it's, there's just a new setting there. I don't know what it does. I can't tell you. There's no documentation. It's anybody's guess, right? Um, and then... Um, a couple other websites because apparently Samsung kind of leaks like a sieve uh, just like played with prototypes of this thing and then they didn't really test it they just said like oh it's fixed like just because of the name it's fixed <laughs> I'm, like literally I'm not even kidding just because of the name it's fixed and then apparently uh, with the release hardware they renamed it from Adobe RGB to professional photo so it's not just the US that got it renamed apparently it's everywhere and then so then obviously I get this thing and then like the time passes after I'm done battery life testing 
Because otherwise, then it just doesn't happen. Like, unless I just do it and then play with it later, then nothing happens. Yeah. Um, I was playing with it, and then I, I wanted to get to the bottom of this issue, and I noticed that it's just renamed. Like, if you go in and watch the kernel, you know, like the messages that come out. And by the way, because it's SE Linux, like, there's some weird permissions things. So you need to reboot it, like, a million times, and then, like, after you've done it, then you get stuff to come out. And I'm sure it's a bug of some kind. But but whatever, and now I just told it, so they're going to get fixed. But everybody kind of knows it now. Um, but anyways, I noticed, like, sw- t- toggling through all these in, like, sort of a, a controlled fashion, uh, like a pattern that I would know in the output, I noticed that it's just renamed natural. Like, professional photo is just professional photo on the UI. Like, <laughs> in the... <laughs> In the actual code, it's just natural because, like, I went and then found the MDNIE settings. You know, like, there's a file, you know, like a, a C file, and then there's a header file, and where they set the constraints in this curve. And, like, the subject of this curve has been an ongoing discussion for people that want to fix the AMOLED problem, you know, like um, taking the device after the fact, running your own measures on it, sort of like reclamping it to a sane space. And then, you know, like having a custom profile that you write, you know, like either into a custom kernel or, you know, like some other way, but just by just injecting a driver. And so people have been working on this and those people know that these settings exist. Apparently nobody else ever explored the menu. Um, And that's all it is. Like literally that's just what it is. And it doesn't solve anything and it's still saturated. So uh, then everybody just turns around and says, we love, we love those colors. So, I mean, it's a subjective (laughs) thing overall anyways. But what did you think of the display? Uh, in, in I don't know. It's still all the same caveats as ever. You know, it's still not an RGB stripe. Okay, I can't see it as much. But, you know, go go look at reds and go look at, you know, like only blue things. And you can pick it out, you know. But it's really, it's so much better than Galaxy S3. It's Vivek a was saying this. It's yeah. like way better. Yeah, so it's way better. It still has that problem. For me, it still has the overheating problem, right? Like it just overheats on me all the time. And it, it does, they're sly about it. They used to pop up a box and say, like, to prevent overheating, it's been reduced. Now it just happens. And then you're like, wow, is the auto brightness just really, really stupid? You know, like, am I covering the <laughs> ambient light sensor? And then you have to go into the settings, and then it says, like, to protect the display, it's been reduced. Okay. Yeah. So that's still there. Um, brightness, I don't know. I wish it would go brighter, quite honestly. Uh, I the, the color shifting thing is still there, you know, like, where it kind of shifts color. Like, it's better, but it doesn't fundamentally fix my thoughts. You know, like, these major problems that have existed still exist. And then we have this revolving door of subpixel arrangements. Like, I don't know who's getting paid to do this, but they're just making lots of money. Because, like, literally every single generation has been a new subpixel layout. You know, like, we haven't reused anything. Like, I don't understand how that's... I I don't understand how that's economically feasible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for them for them to do to just reuse it like it's a completely different panel each time completely different um so this is like the best you know i mean obviously it's like the best of the of the amoled world if you need if you absolutely need to have it it's good you know like there are things that are solved they don't have the mirror problem you know where there's like these inhomogeneities like go pick up a galaxy nexus and then look at it and if you display like a grid that's just flat you'll see regions where just like the lithography was different, you know, like literally splotches. It looks like you have splotches on your display. So that's, that's solved, but that was also solved last year. So, you know, I don't know if it fundamentally changes my thoughts on this. And I still don't like that. There are all these toggles for like auto brightness. Um, There's auto contrast that I can't turn off. 
you know, I realize these are things normal users don't care about, but it's frustrating for me when I'm trying to like qual, you know, like actually quantitate what I like and don't like about a display and like prove it in in numbers. Yeah. Um, and it makes it's to the almost to the point with like the camera where it's like if you're just doing this, then really I'm just gathering noise, um, and I don't want to do it. Like you're just kind of cheating, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I still well, like so, an LCD so, better. Um, and that's a key point that that you prefer LCD. I, I mean, I think I'm with you there. Uh, the the consensus about Galaxy S4 display seems to be that it is in movie mode or whatever. Um, yeah, movie it, is tolerable. It seems to be that it's it's not a bad experience, um, right. but it's not necessarily demonstrably <laughs> better than uh, like the what you get with an HTC One. Uh, yeah, I'll just still take an LCD over it. And you know what's weird with their subpixel arrangement that I I don't really talk about is that there's like it wouldn't be such a problem to not have an RGB stripe. The problem with this one is that the space fill is so bad that you can see the black in between the pixels with the right patterns. And that's what people look at when they're looking at these photos online. You know, like I've kind of moved on from the macro photo. We just use a microscope, um, which are all at the same magnification. So I don't know why you would look at like somebody's macro when you can look at a microscope of it um, <laughs> and just see that the space fill is really bad. Like there's li- there's very little area that's actually used um, that's actually producing light. You know, like there's luminous exudance from that area. Yeah. There's very little area. Like if you, you could just go in computer ratio and it seems like it's very low. I don't know why. If, if there's lots of gating in between, if they feel like they don't need it. Um, whereas if you look at an LCD, generally there's very little space that isn't, you know, um, filled in by, you know, just the fact that your filters and then the polarizers and then everything else is gating. Like I don't know why there's so much space in between. And I feel like that's the that's the only thing I can really say is an actual problem, because in those weird patterns that some people have kind of contrived, then you can see a difference. For, yeah. Like for me, I sound like I'm really negative about it, but it actually is quite good. Like I can I can tolerate it, I can deal with it. Um, again, yeah, now I think I think the positive thing about everybody starting to like harp on these MDNIE settings is that it finally made me go measure them all. Like before they just kind of like changed everything yeah. and there's still no documentation. So like, I, like standard seems like it should be like sRGB to me. Like I don't know why movie is sRGB. Like, I guess movies are sRGB as well, but then they're not really. You know, like, if you go talk to Chris and you know anything about HDMI, you know, there's that, like, the small little, like, bias that they have with the black levels and all this stuff. So, you know, like, I'm waving my hands here because, like, I have no clue what's going on. And and frankly... Well, I wonder how much of this is related to how things are handled in TVs typically, right? Because isn't movie yeah. mode normally the more, like, accurate mode and standard Probably. is, like, whatever they, they, they use to sell you a TV at Best Buy? Probably. I mean, literally, these are TV settings. Like, the engine is a TV engine. Just yeah. like Vivek was saying, excellent point. It is just it is just like a TV engine. Like, And you know what's annoying? Like, I bought that Samsung TV from Best Buy. I still can't turn off dynamic contrast. Like, it's off in all the menus. I even went into the firmware um, and, like, turned it off. I almost broke the thing because you can, like, change, you know, because they source panels <laughs> from other people. Yeah. So, like, you, I changed a setting in there and I accidentally toggled uh like what panel it was but i like thank goodness i took a picture because then when i launched back into the tv like the tv didn't work anymore (laughs) you know and then i was reading on um avs forum it was like don't change the setting because they're like literally there's like every panel they've ever shipped 
in this yeah. database. Like there were thousands. Okay. Oh wow. There is no way for me to find out what it was. By some miracle, I took a picture of it, like with my phone. Like when I was like, oh, the engineering menus are cool. Like Samsung yeah. always has the coolest engineering menus ever. Like to their credit, that is that is the reason I really want an AT and T Galaxy S four. You know. Um, but so then I, I I got in and fixed it. That's a tangential topic. But I don't know why I can't turn off dynamic contrast on the TV, and I can't turn it off on here either. And well, yeah, so that that's what's interesting to me. So automatic brightness, obviously, you can change that. Um, but there's nothing you can do to change dynamic contrast. No, no, there's nothing. You can, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. <laughs> like I'm telling you, I've gone through all the options on both my TV and the Galaxy S4. You know, and even HTC has this. You know, like even the iconic, like we called them out too. Um, and there was one early build of the software where there were like some engineering menus that you could turn this off, you know? So like I just turned it off. But, you know, like unless you're on something where you can turn it off, like it's just on all the time, you know? And it's distracting. Like I gave my friend one, uh, a phone to use. I gave one of my friends like the, um, what's the like Vivek, maybe, you know, the like um, entry level uh, Verizon HTC, I mean, entry-level Verizon uh, Windows Phone 8. I think it's like the uh, Tiv Odyssey or something. Oh, yeah, 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 the Samsung one. Yeah, and he was like, what's wrong with this thing? Like, every, when I press <laughs> shift, the display brightness changes. I was like, oh, that's that's auto, you know, like, that's dynamic contrast at work. Like, it's changing changing the brightness as a function of what's displayed. But I don't you know? understand why you need that on a, an AMOLED, right? I don't already have. <laughs> no, that's what other people have said too. I wish I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like so. What's frustrating to me is, like, clearly there are a lot of experts within the Samsung display, like, side of the business. I, I Since wish they're Samsung, making these things. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish they would expose more of those people, right? Like, they, there's, I don't know. There's bound to be some really interesting things going on on the display side of all of this um or, or maybe there's not right maybe this is all I, I i have no idea i yeah i wish i could tell you like honestly like i said everything that i've ever found out about all this is just on my own digging around in here there's no documentation anywhere um i've never spoken with anybody about any of this um i mean again like the kernel hackers and people that cared about the display and you know Etc. Etc. Also, it's not Pentile. It's, that is not Pentile is a specific thing. This is not Pentile. Like we've like that's just not true. Like when people say Pentile, that this is not Pentile. Like it's not a new voyance thing. You know, yeah. I can I can basically guarantee you that it's become like a colloquial word because we we need word apparently. We we just can't <laughs> say non sr. We can't say non RGB stripe or just like. It's, it's their own custom subpixel arrangement. It's but their it's own not custom Pentile. thing. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Like, there's no name for it. You know, the one last year, apparently I heard the name was, like, S-Stripe, or they were going to, like, brand it or something. Yeah. You know, I have no idea what this is. Like, again, it's, like, it's we've outpaced the names. Like, I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe <laughs> okay, somebody so, knows. I'd love to know. <laughs> so we, we, we talked display. Um, battery life, I thought, was surprisingly, at, at least for the numbers that we could compare, was surprisingly decent because Galaxy S3 didn't, yeah. didn't do well at all in our battery life tests. No, and it, it continues to not do well because, you know, we're displaying web pages, which are predominantly, um, you know, black text on white background. And it's not but, like but, we contrived it. It's not like we just only went, you know, for pages that are that way. It's like just web pages are that way. <laughs> yeah. But, but Galaxy S4 did 
remarkably better, I thought, than Galaxy S3 and RTS. I mean, yeah, but though it, it's on EVDO, I mean, so... But even, knows? like, the Wi-Fi test, right? Like, Wi-Fi did... I guess it wasn't a huge improvement over Galaxy S3, but it was still an improvement. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, things improved. You know, I think it's better. Uh, it's, like, the same size, almost. You know, we have a bigger display. We have faster and faster SoC. Um, I, they're going to sell, like, millions of these, obviously. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what to say. The camera thing is the big thing for me. Uh, TouchWiz is still a thing. Um, what else? Wait, is so, what there? do you think of what do you think of the camera? You know, I think it's what I expected. You know, I know that doesn't like tell you anything, but it's exactly what I expected. Like, there's nothing surprising about this. Yeah. You know? But so so um, and and our conclusion in, in at least part one was uh, good quality and well lit scenes. Um, but behind the one in in dark scenes. That's that's exactly what I would say. Like in your, if you're taking well lit photos, you know where, um, just sort of like the sensitivity problem isn't an issue, then yeah, go for more megapixels. Even though there's still some argument to be made about maybe you're over you're you know oversampling um, with a 13 megapixel sensor at that size. On the other hand, um, for me personally. Because I'm apparently a, a basement dweller, uh, <laughs> there's not enough light to like not trigger night mode. Like they had an auto night mode option. Yeah, and I feel like that's sort of a mitigation that was added because um, I don't know that's never been there before. Yeah, uh, but if you turn this thing on, at least for me, literally it's on a hundred percent of the time when I'm in my house. Like so- I, I spilled some stuff in my like hallway. And then I took a picture of it because I wanted to send it to somebody because it was just like a huge mess. And I was like, look at what I did, you know? And um, I'm literally standing underneath an LED light, like just a huge light, okay? Like it seems well lit. And night mode comes on. And I just can't believe it. You know, stuff like that. It's just like well, there's so what night, does night mode, mode all do? the time. Are they, are they just doing it's just a longer an HDR exposure? merge. No, it's like a bunch. Of, yeah, it's the longest they can do. And then it's like an HDR merge. Interesting. You know? So you're How many... temporarily oversampling. How many, um, how many, do you know how many samples it takes? No, no clue. I'm okay. still working on that. I need like a stopwatch or something moving. Yeah. Interesting. No, so no clue. I, it's not, it's obviously not, again, not, not documented. Um, I have to go figure it out. Uh, but I mean, the thing that sucks is there's like a huge progress bar, you know, <laughs> like the shot to shot latency is, is gigantic. Like it's on the order of seconds. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing, you know, it's difficult uh, to really and you have to be very stable. You have to be very stable. Like I'm, I give all these phones my absolute maximum stability. You know, like absolute as stable as I can possibly be um, when I'm shooting, and then when I'm taking the other pics, of course, we're using a tripod. So there's more to be said than just like what's the end outcome if I'm just not moving at all and I'm not taking subjects that are moving and all this other stuff. So. <laughs> It's difficult to really convey um, the differences in that, in that you know, beyond just the output image. Uh, and even the output image, in, like in night mode, I think the one is superior. You yeah. Know? Well, no, and I think that's important because um, you were telling me about this, right, where, uh, you know, you were using the Galaxy S4 to, to take some of these low-light photos and just the number of times you had to try the shot in order to get something that was sharp and... and 
in focus yeah. was an issue. It'll miss it'll miss focus, but I mean, yeah. Whereas the one doesn't. Um, I found the again, one that's just, does miss the case. Oh yeah. So so for me, I found the one misses focus in like very very dark scenarios. And and you were telling me about this because it, it doesn't have an AF assist lamp. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is something they need to fix. Yes. But I mean, that's what people have been saying for like forever. Yeah. You know, they just now, need to Vi- have that. Vivek, you you got your hands. Have you played with the Galaxy S4 at all? Yes, I have. So, and and you now have a one as well. What what are your thoughts? Um. So I haven't. Uh, I guess used the the camera of the S4 very much. Okay. Um. Because I I just had it really quick hands on. Um, odds are I'll end up getting one in the next week or so for like actually having, um, but I like the biggest thing about the S4 that I noticed was just the, the display made it really, the display alone is enough to convince me to upgrade from an S3. Um, and other than that, it, it felt pretty similar. I like, there's, there's just not that much different about it that you can really feel in like the first couple of minutes that you play with it. Yeah. Um, I want to hear your thoughts about the industrial design. Cause like Vivek, you nailed it with the um, galaxy S three was trying to be like faux aluminum galaxy yeah. S four is trying to be like faux carbon fiber. Like I was like, boom, you yeah. nailed it. Like 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly it. Well, that's what the black one, the white one's a little bit different. I mean, it's cause obviously there's no real white carbon fiber. It just, it comes it's off like white. a, pearly white checkered effect um on the back of the white one the fake aluminum is a lot more convincing in the s4 than it was in the s3 right like the you think so on the side yeah like the fake metal around the side in the s3 it's it's like this isn't even no see i like that though i like that they didn't do the like really fake chrome thing you know like now it's just back to being this really fake chrome thing well, and I, I, I think it's a Korean thing. Like I've actually, I've come to understand it. Like they like the chrome ring. Like for them, that's a status thing, even if it isn't like the highest. You know, like it's not up to our standards. Like for me, it looks plasticky. Um, they just love it, and that that's just I'm coming to terms with. There are different tastes in industrial design and UI and UX. No, and so I I, I do it. think you're you're onto something there because you know that, that's one thing. That, that I've noticed the longer I've looked at TouchWiz, the more I feel like there are regional preferences that oh, often totally. color a lot of this stuff. And, and I hadn't been looking at it like that until you kind of framed it in, in that perspective. Um, because I do see it a lot. There, there are a lot of markets in the world that I don't think actually prefer uh, the look of iOS or, or, and in many cases, even prefer the look of TouchWiz over that. Um, and, and I do think there might just be regional preferences like that. No, there totally are. And I'm sorry, I interrupted Vivek, but I think that's the reason for the weird, you know, chrome thing. Even if I get, I don't know, it, just, it looks well, like they just brushed, like they make it at chrome, then they just brush it, and then they put the like ultra coat plastic thing on it, you know? I think that's what they do. Uh, I'm I'm really not sure about how they would go about it, but I I like that it's, like it looks better in the S4, then, like, if you look at a white S3, it it really just, it looks like silver plastic, and I don't, hmm. I didn't like that very much. Um, and I really didn't like the, the fake aluminum, like, the fake brushed aluminum thing that they had going on 
in I think the Note two and the S three. It was just yeah. It was bad, right? So yeah. Vivek, can I ask you this? Um, when I held, like, ignore material quality differences. I'm simply talking proportions here. Mm-hmm. To me, holding the S four, given my hand size, um, it feels more comfortable in hand to me than than the one. And and Brian doesn't feel this way, and no. I'm curious. <laughs> If, if you feel this way at all, or if I just have weirdly sized hands. Well, I mean, me and you are roughly the same height build, right? Like, I'm, you're around 5-something, five 5'7", five 5'8". Five yeah. Right? Brian's way taller than both of us. Yeah, um, he's like 7'2". <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, no, I mean, like, maybe because I'm used to the, to the 4.7 to 5-inch form factor, right? Like, I've been carrying... I like I guess since about twelve months ago, uh, or even more than that, phones in this size, right? Like uh, Galaxy Nexus, and and ever since then, I've I've had phones with at least that screen size. So for me, the one feels just fine. Um, but does the does it feel better or worse or the same as the Galaxy S four? Hmm. I so the Galaxy S four felt really similar to me that. Uh, as the Galaxy S3, right? In-hand feel was not significantly different. Um, really? See, I think they feel way different because, like, the, the 4 is, like, a big square. Like, they don't... You know, like, the S3 had that pebble shape. It like, has less of it, it has less of the ergonomic curvature, but, I mean, it's... And the just, 1 still has this, like, amazing back curve. You know, like, yes. they curve all the way around. So that that's, that's like, where I feel like things regress. They just... You know, like the the 2D size is maybe the same. The volume went up. And I feel like when people are talking about size and shape, they're talking about like the 2D, like top-down projection. You know, like I try to say like aerial size, but that gets people confused. So I didn't, those are like, for me, that's a huge weird change. I didn't, I didn't like that with the S3 though. Right, like okay. the the pebble shape and the and the weird constant curvature thing. It's the same reason I didn't like the the iPhone three G three GS. Right. Sure. I, sure. Just it doesn't seem as clean to me, and when I'm holding it, I can tell, and that bothers me. Right. It just seems like an easy thing to do. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, okay, just stick a bevel. You know, like just make it rounded. You know, like easy curve to do. That's why I don't like it. I agree with you. But wait, so so again, does it feel better, worse, or the same as the 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 one in terms of size and proportions in your hand? Uh, I'd say about the same. Interesting. Yeah. See, for me, I I feel like I the one was the the first phone of that size that I was comfortable with because like I I feel like all of the pros kind of tilted me in favor of it, right? And I was like, okay, this is fine. I can deal with the phone that, that's this size. Um, and then I, I held the Galaxy S4 for the first time and I was like, oh, this is actually not substantially better, but like it, it proportionally just felt a little better to me. Um, and it's interesting that apparently I'm the only person that feels that way. I mean, it's, for me, it's, it's just the materials problems and it's not like I hate plastic. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, he just hates the plastic. No, it's that, um, frankly, the, the device feels slimy. You know, like it after a while uh, for me, like I don't have very sweaty palms, but it just it feels like, um, you know, like all my skin crud gets all over it. Um, Like literally you can see dead skin cells on it. 
Um, and that just, it's kind of disgusting. And like that exists too on aluminum, but it's like I can hold the phone for like days before I feel like I need to like wipe it down. Yeah. Whereas the, uh, the S4 and you know, like all the previous devices in that class with the same material, which is unchanged, um, all f- feel like that after a while. Like you just get fingerprints on it. And what's hilarious to me is that I love watching people like do their hands-on videos. And it's like the phone comes out of the box it, like it looks good. Then like you just go to like 80% in the video and it's like it's just plastered. Yeah, you know, by the end of the video, like it I, looks disgusting. It's what I'm talking about, and that's I don't know. I'm just OCD. The the and dark. I can't steal. I can't deal with it. That's the reason. Like that's the, the problem. The dark colored S3 and S4 fingerprint way too easily. Like just this has been this has been a problem since day one. They they fingerprint way too easily. And it's something about the finish that that Samsung is using, right? Like it's not the hyperglaze. That's what it's called. Yeah. Is that what they call it? I remembered it now. It's like hyperglaze. Yeah, well, they don't I mean, market this in the U.S. though. It's it's just poly like the 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 battery cover for both the S3 and the S4. It's it's polycarbonate. It's just this really thin polycarbonate with a finish that just makes it, it's it's icky. Like I don't. It's hyperglaze. So I'm again. I'm going to be the weird guy here. I I don't like. I I get exactly what you're saying. Um, and I feel like when I first get a device, this kind of stuff matters to me. Um, but I feel like over time, I care about it less, right? Like it, it once the newness factor kind of wears off, then it's just like another, you know, used and abused gadget in, in my life. And <laughs> I, I just, I don't care as much about, you know, how it looks. Um, I don't know. For me, like just the one, I keep pulling out and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, like it feels so good. You know, and that's, it sounds stupid, but it's true. And then the other one, it's, I'm just like, this is dirty. Like, I need to, you know, like, put a, I need to go wipe it off. It's this feeling of contentment, right, with with the phone. I haven't, I haven't, like, I'm not used to feeling content with any of my technology uh, because there's always something wrong with it. But with the one, it's, it's just, it, there isn't anything wrong with it. Right. You know, I, I, you or know not like, as, I feel like, like Samsung not as had much. this down. Can we just go back to the Galaxy Nexus thing? Just go back yeah. to S2. S2 felt good. Like, we solved the problem. I don't understand why we need to do this again. Like, we solved the problem then. Just put a textured material. Boom. It's easy. I don't even... The, the bill of materials Ooh. didn't go up. You know, like, it's not suddenly more expensive. Like, maybe it costs you a couple, you know, like, more money to make your injection mold. But, like, big deal. And then now, it's different. Well, the, the S2 had had a really bad battery cover, right? Like you remember that. That was a that was like a paper thin piece of plastic. And like But it still just, felt better than this. This is a paper thin piece of plastic. Like you even said that. If you go peel off the stock one, actually what's funny to me is that the the S like view one, you know, the battery case thing is actually thicker. Like it adds to thickness a bit. Yeah. Cuz yeah. it needs to be stronger, mm-hmm. you know? That's why and that's actually why it's I different. like that case. Me too. Um, so do, does the presence of that case at all mitigate your your uh, plastic feel issues? No. No, f- not fundamentally because it's the same material. It's just it, like they made it a little bit thicker. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel as bad one, when you when you take the the battery cover off. One one thing to their credit is that they've supposedly fixed the issue where like I used the 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 flip case with the S3 for a long time and the issue that I saw was that it would start peeling almost immediately. 
which was kind of unfortunate. And I talked to somebody about this, and that's supposedly very fixed. No, like okay. it's guaranteed to not peel up. Oh, like the you know? the the actual finish won't peel off. Uh, well, you know, like on the flip case, there's like a like a faux like brushed kind of material, and then on the back, there's like a felt, so that kind of cleans your screen. Oh, okay, um, yeah. So that that material would begin to separate because it's just like the heat pressed it together. Mm. Like you can see, mm-hmm. there's a lip, and they just kind of like heat solder, you know, like fuse them together, like a little right. bit of melting action. And I feel like that's all it was holding it in place. Supposedly now it's better, or like they'll give you a replacement. Um, we didn't talk about tactiles, which is a little bit funny. But uh, right, you know, I sound like I hate series. the S4. I just want to use one. Like I can't use the Sprint one. It's a marginally connected tablet. Uh, <laughs> Sprint is in like a state of act- actual regression in my market. Uh, it's not Arizona isn't a priority. Um, obviously, in some markets they have LTE. You know, it's five megahertz on PCS. Um, I would say good luck with that, but I mean, if you go to an AT and T market that's five megahertz, which is well, by the way like the width of a WCDMA carrier with with guards, um, it's like three point eight four megahertz or five wide after you add the guards. Um, it's like you're just dealing with the capacity of a single WCDMA carrier. So, you know, I mean, don't like LTE is not LTE, and this is something people are still like slowly figuring out. Yeah. Uh, even though, like, I th- I thought we we settled this. I don't know. I don't like. That's why I like service mode because I want to know what I'm getting. Not all LTE but, is created equal. Yeah, there are multiple channel bandwidths, like from 1.25 megahertz, which is like the width of an EVDO carrier or a CDMA 2000, up to like th- uh, three, and then five, and then 10, 15, 20, and that's you know like that's what you get. So, um, yeah, Sprint runs five, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other thing with Sprint LTE is that they only have two LTE markets on the entirety of the West Coast, right? Yeah, it's an East Coast thing. I, like, well, I, I mean, I drove. You remember, I drove to Atlanta. And yeah. It was we tried. Like, we, horrible. We well, yeah, tried. But, like I live in. I, live I still in, tell people, didn't you drive to like forty, like just like a million hotels? Dude, I I was trying to because I was trying to battery life test on Sprint LTE. And I couldn't find a hotel. At first, I'm like, oh, this can't be that hard. I'll just find a hotel near, you know, where there's okay signal strength. But apparently, that was a very difficult thing to do. And I went to, like, every hotel. I went to Midtown Atlanta. Uh, I went um, to, like, surrounding areas. Like, I, I literally, I had a car full of me and, like, my friends. And we were just searching for a place to, like, live for the night where we could speed test, or where we could uh, do a battery life test on you know, reasonable signal strength Sprint LTE. We ended up finding one hotel in, like, some random place, and of course it was sold out. Like, there was no... I, there's nothing I could do. I, I I was like, I'll do anything. Just give me a room where I can I can stay here. And they were like, oh, we just... I'm sorry. This, there's nothing for you here. Um, and that was the <laughs> one spot in... I don't know how many miles I drove in and around Atlanta. Um, I even drove to Athens, uh, and wow. I thought, okay, maybe maybe Athens, Georgia will will be better. And it was terrible there too. And finally, like at I don't know two or three in the morning, we just gave up and and stayed somewhere that that didn't have even remotely good LTE. And I, I just gave up on battery life testing. Yeah, I remember that this was a concerted effort about a year ago, and then yeah. it never really materialized because um, you know it just is non-existent. And I their, mean, I published some speed map... test numbers. And oh yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, their coverage map was kind of like a like a fabrication. <laughs> Remember? Yes. 
Yeah, it's, he totally lied. It because came to news that they were just posting like um, outdoor coverage at the noise floor, you know. So without buildings, like they're, they're, they're you can model these different ways, and they had just chosen like the the most um, favorable to showing that they had coverage type map, you know. So well, that came to light afterwards, and then I was like, oh, that explains it. You had the the most hilarious take on all of this, which was that what the, the FCC should just take Sprint Spectrum and give it to T-Mobile. That, I mean, that's that's really inflammatory. I know that's <laughs> going to get me like yelled at. Um, <laughs> but I I think at this point, anything that gets Sprint LTE like to a better place is better for them. Um, I don't know what to say. Like in a lot of markets, yeah, there's just like a regression going on. You know, just like I would love for them to deploy um, WCDMA in 1900, just do away with CDMA entirely, um, get LTE up and running. You know, obviously they have all this other spectrum, um, you know, like for ne- from Nextel that's sitting around. Um, so really, I mean, like they, they have a, they're in the right situation for deploying all this stuff. It's just like they just always are getting the short end of the stick and they're kind of like always changing their mind about what the network is. And I know people are going to get angry about me for saying this, like, Oh no, that's not true. But like, that's what I see, you know? And the first it was YMAX and now it's LTE and I'm just kind of like, whatever this, so wait, <laughs> maybe this it'll is... happen. Like I've just given up. It's not going to like, whatever, put your money where your mouth is and like do it already. And that's kind of the state of things. And I just can't believe they would sample a sprint one. That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> At all, well, to I mean, me. now to to their credit, um, the the explanation was that um, you know they they sampled in the order of what they had, um, and for whatever reason, it just worked out that that Sprint was first, and then Sprint um, was delayed, like their launch was delayed. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, um, you know, I got an OTA update today, and I have no idea what changed, but because um, <laughs> there's no change log, because you know it's just always a guessing game, but. Uh, now, to everyone's credit, it's like that with SSDs as well. I remember I oh, get really? firmware updates. Yeah, I, 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 dude, I used to pester everyone about this for a while, and I was like, "Hey, um, can you just like give me an actual change log?" And they were like, "Yeah, we are." And I said, "No, no, no, you have. That's not what's going on here. I need a, I need a list of what's changed." And and the response is usually, "Oh, well, they don't give that to us." And and you know, just be happy with what you get. So th- this does exist beyond just in in the smartphone space. Well, I can tell you right now that there are other players who, I, you know, like this is a mobile problem. If we're going to, I was thinking about this today while I was eating. If we're going to really move to this like computing platform that's entirely mobile, like Android and iOS, then, um, you know, like we need to take it seriously with change logs. And uh, somebody made a great point, and that's that, you know, Samsung is moving to the enterprise space and they have this great, you know, like IT admin, you know, like um, BYOD story that they're trying to build out. Um, which we haven't really talked about, and the launch is delayed. Even if the hardware is already shipped with what's in place to make that happen. Um, but at the same time, they're shipping out OTA updates with no change logs. You know, like IT admins are going to just blow their lid. You know, like, that's yeah. not okay. You're not, you can't deploy that without any, like, here's an update, like, just take it. You know, like, that's not okay. So if we're going to take this seriously, um, then we need like we need real change logs and not just Samsung, like also Apple, they kind of do this thing where they maybe have like a couple bullet points in the, you know, like, here's what changed, but it's not a real change log. And you know, what you get is sort of like a subset of what's different. And 
just everywhere that needs to stop. Like, it's not okay if we're going to be living our lives on these things. You know, like, that was okay when it was a feature phone, but it's not okay when it's a compute platform. And I, I feel like more people need to tell that story just because, like, frankly, it's on, it's dishonest almost, you know? And that and the, like, really slow phased updates uh, that take forever, you know, that just to me says that you're not confident that you didn't break everything. So then, you know, like, what was the point of your value add with all the testing? I Like, th- I, I really want to write an article about that, but I still don't know everything that's involved with, you know, like, what the real story is. So I hesitate, but that's that's another reality. So, you know, I, I used to be very firmly in this um, idea that, hey, the smartphone becomes the mainstream computing platform and, and you know, uh, you just kind of dock it wirelessly or wired to, to, you know, whatever you want, displays, other input devices and stuff like that. With all the focus on wearable computing, though, I'm, I'm almost wondering if that doesn't end up being the case, if the tablet ends up being the kind of default compute platform. And but that's the same problem there, like the exact same problem. No, it is, but it it also isn't, right? Because in the tablet space, uh, you have folks like Intel and AMD that are kind of still playing there, and and they come from a very different world where uh, they do document things better, and and they do. Uh, I don't know. Go pick up any of the Medfield phones. Like, there's no change log. You know, like you don't even get the update. It's again, it's the like, you know, slow phased update type deal. That's true. I, I feel like they're. I know who to yell at, and I know, like, I, like <laughs> yeah, I feel true. like they okay. would get it right. Like, if if I was like, "Hey, you need to do this," they would say, "Well, yeah, that's right," and then that there that would be end of discussion. Whereas everywhere else, I can say that, and they're just gonna be like, "Well, that's stupid. I don't know why you're talking." It's to me. more words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I feel like that's it's just a it's a different audience. Um, I guess so that's I true. That's true, but it's still it still is the same fundamental problem, and that's that these aren't these these still aren't taken seriously. Um, you know, like consumers are still treated like children. Yes. Um, I still feel like I'm being lied to. You know, when I do an update and I I'm told that this is what changed. Well, and tell then me this, I go and I find stuff that is has other changed, and it's almost like they're doing it to see if you notice. Like Apple especially is notorious for doing that. Like. Um, all sorts of stuff changes that you just don't hear about. You yeah. Know? Well, so so one thing that you know you've been saying for a while that's kind of resonated with me is this idea that in the camera UI that you're not treated like an adult. I'm and still not treated like an adult. Correct. No, no, and and I agree with that. Um, what's interesting to me is it never really hit me as with most things you say. It it didn't hit me until later. Um, and it hit me when I'm using the one and I'm thinking, why can't I control things like how long these exposures are? Um, yeah. Why, why not? <laughs> There's no good reason other than that. They think you're an idiot. Like, frankly, <laughs> that is it. You know, the average user is an idiot. I'll just be honest. That's the reason. Yeah. You but know? it's, I have an M mode on, on a lot of cameras, right? Why can't I have one here? That's, um, exactly what I, I have said to other parties, like directly. And what is their response? Are they like, well, that's right, or shut up, Brian? They're like, uh, I don't know. They're like, we need, we want, like, an, uh, like, ideally it should be like this. I've kind of settled on it. It should be, like, an auto mode and, you know, like, a manual mode. Yes. And that's what it should be. Um, so, yeah, if you're an idiot and you can't find, I mean, like, like be it, let's just be honest, you know, like, if you, if you are challenged, um, then you just can't find the toggle to turn it on, right? 
Yeah. Um, if you do know what you're doing, give me the toggle. But at present, it's like everybody's still kind of feeling out. Like, I feel like those are two different extrema, and there's like two local maxima, and those are the two local maxima. Yeah. And those solutions are there. But everybody's kind of like somewhere in the middle, and it feels almost right. But it's it's not it's not a maxima at all. It's like no, it's this useless middle ground where like I can adjust some stuff to an unreasonable degree, and the actual things I would adjust on a camera, I don't have control over. I totally agree. I mean, again, I've said this, and if if it's if you want to be taken seriously as a camera player, um, you need to have these options. And the unfortunate reality is that you know, like <laughs> we aren't being. We, we aren't and they don't take you seriously and you know nobody does so you, but get, like, I you have, get in when you get out I can make everything sepia right like that's an option <laughs> but I can't control shutter speed well everybody right? loves like, filters oh my god <laughs> um, okay I feel like we got way off track here I yeah. think we need a conclusion on Galaxy S4 so we can move on um, you you liked some of the, the camera software tricks uh, you mean like the picture in picture thing yeah I think yeah. that's kind of cool I feel like that's some sort of weird Qualcomm feature that everybody incorporated. Like, they had, like, dual encode path, and then they just kind of, like, everybody decided they needed to have this. But it is kind of Yeah, because cool. LG did this, too. Yeah, LG has the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, except it's, like, video. Uh, they have, basically, on the GS4, they have the picture, and then on the one, we have the essentially the same sort of, like, dual ISP, dual encode path thing with Zoe's, where we're taking photos and video. Like, that's what that is. But um, yeah, I mean it's kind of cool. It's kind of it's hilarious to show your friends. Yes. Um, so that I mean, like you need that stuff to sell the camera. Uh, again, like I'm saying, not just because we, you know, the imaging experience is it, but like you need an ad. You know, I'm realizing that like this is this is the reality. Um, so that's what that is. I you know like I like GS4. Like I said, I want to use the thing, but I can't. You know, like you gave me a Sprint one, and I I can't, and it's you know like it has UMTS nineteen hundred, but it's locked, so you know I can't stick my SIM in there and just use like three G without without you know LTE and like give you my thoughts about the rest of the things you know like because there is there are some other changes. Um, I like I like the phone. It's is it the best? I don't really know. Like, is there any is there ever a best for each generation? Probably not. You know. Um, Really? There's so more competition for Samsung this time. There is more competition for Samsung? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my take on it was um, if if you've been living... I mean, it's kind of like Apple. Like I, Samsung has crafted this uh, ecosystem and this following amongst its users. And if you've been there and you've been happy with the Galaxy S3, I, I think the Galaxy S4 is a, a good evolution over that, right? I don't think it regresses in any area. Um and That's true. As you as you point out in the article, it 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 fixes a number of things that we've had issues with in the past. Um, and and then the real question is, well, uh, the software stuff is interesting. Um, all all their little tweaks and and you know all of the the new user experiences that they kind of enable here. Do I think any of them are necessarily uh, reasons to go out and buy a phone over another one? Not necessarily. I, I think they all will sell very well. Like they'll they'll show very well in an ad. Um, and they'll each individual feature will speak to a different kind of niche of the market. Uh, and I think right. Samsung does a, a very typically a very good job in, in doing that, right? They've got a, 
uh, amazing sort of handle on exactly how to move product, right? How to advertise it, how to distribute it. All of that stuff is very, very well done. Um, and, and then it just comes down to what are your preferences in terms of removable battery, micro SD card, uh, uh, chassis, and camera. Um, I think the, the well-lit scenario photos that I've seen of the Galaxy S4 um, look really, really good. Um, they do look pretty good. And, and I think... As long I know, as you don't view them at 100%, but they do look good. Yes. <laughs> um, personally, I, I don't... Uh, it, that's what's kind of frustrating to me about the one is that every now and then I'll take a shot in, in like, like a landscape shot. And it'll come off and it'll just be okay. And that'll be disappointing to me. Um, but the other 90% of the time, I'm, I'm taking something in, in non-ideal lighting scenarios. And, and that's where I'm usually impressed there. Uh, so I think it's really a question of just answering all of those questions for yourself personally. And, and then you have a, a good decision on what, what phone you have. The firmware update kind of fixes things. But I was told that the U.S. versions, like if you have the AT&T one, also has the better camera software. Interesting. So I'm not entirely sure what the real story is. But... Um... I mean, things are going to continue to improve on the one. Um, obviously, there was a firmware update the... right out of the box on the Galaxy S4, you know? Yeah. Uh, do I agree with your assessment? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I mean I'm not going um, to say that it isn't a trade-off. Like, they made a trade-off um, between resolution and uh, sensitivity. Um, personally, I would, I would make that trade-off on every phone if I could. And to say nothing of OIS and all that other stuff, you know, and, like, real innovation... Um, which to me is like a, a valuable thing that's worth rewarding. Um, yeah. And again, the industrial design, like I, you know, like some people on Reddit were even saying like, why didn't you talk about radios in the Galaxy S4? Well, f- number one reason is because like, honestly, I couldn't in time. Um, number two, it's just, it's sprint, you know, like what, what do you want me to say? Um, number three, honestly, it's just a pragmatic uh, design. Like it's very pragmatic. It's the same as the other one. There's nothing really new there. Um, it's kind of cool. GTI ninety five hundred has the new Intel modem, you know, XMM sixty three sixty. Yeah. So we finally got dual carrier. Um, still doesn't have receive diversity, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's two thousand, you know, thirteen. But uh, you know, like that's that's that. Uh, the rest of the story is you know pretty pretty basic. It's just a, ma- a matter of tracking down all the variants um, and finding the right the right one really. But even yeah. if normal people are just going to buy what's in the store. Um, you know, I like it. I don't know. It's it's fun to have a flagship, and it's fun to have flagships that we can talk about, you know, like excitedly. And these these are those are the two, you know. And yeah, I'll I'll admit I stuck my sixty four gig SD card in there, you know. So <laughs> after so your 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 personal pick, you you like them both. You like the one. You like the Galaxy S four. Your personal pick is the one. Oh yeah, far and away. I'm still using the one. Interesting. Yeah. I've been using Vivic, the one any, since I got it, nonstop. Any any final thoughts on Galaxy S4, Vivek? Um, not really. I think Brian covered it pretty well. Um, I'm. I think I also would come under come in the camp that picks the one over the S4. Um, but I haven't again used the S4 as much as as Brian has. Okay. Um, so moving on, I know we spent a whole lot of time talking about that. So let's let's blaze through a, a, a few things here. Um, Brian, you have you have the new T-Mobile iPhone five, the A fourteen twenty eight, but the new version of it. Yeah, right. And um, I've been testing it for a while, and it works every bit as good as I expected it to. 
Um, you know, like uh, AWS performance is great. Um, HD voice sounds awesome. Um, we'll have some cool samples of that. Um, I don't know. It's awesome. It's it's awesome that finally Samsung. I mean, <laughs> what am I saying? It's awesome that finally <laughs> Apple and T-Mobile um, have like an official relationship, and we have an yeah. IPCC um, with everything that we need for T-Mobile. And I love the hardware. Obviously, still, I think the iPhone is still pretty awesome. And uh, really, that's all there is to say. You know, like again, the other thing is that we need we need some sort of like FCC with a stronger backbone just to limit AT and T from doing these things where we just rat lock, you know, WCDMA out on band four just to prevent eight, you know, prevent people from taking their stuff to T-Mobile. Yeah. Which is what literally the like difference between the AT&T and the T-Mobile Galaxy S4 is, um, you know, and same, same on the one, you know, like the one in the AT&T variant and the T-Mobile variant are different hardware, but the AT&T version and the developer version still have band four just rat locked out. There's nothing preventing the hardware from working. It's the same path through the transceiver. And this same is just something AT&T dictates. Yeah, when you make it, like AT&T just has a request for proposal that says like, hey, you know, like lock, lock these things out and period, you know, that's what it is. All it is is just a piece of software. And so now we have an iPhone 5. It's literally the same exact hardware, but without that stuff locked out. And it's awesome to have it because I feel like this is fully, this is like the fully fleshed out version of you know a phone that's been out for a long time so it's it's cool to have to yeah. say nothing of like that we have t-mobile you know so, which is emerging as obviously a much better competitor than sprint to the major players so i have a question well, so, um sure. yeah. is there an easy way to tell the difference between the two um yes serial number there's a there's a knowledge base article that posted uh, the same date as the IPCC that came out, and literally you just have to look at the serial number, and then you can tell. And that's the only way. Literally the only way. Other well, than sticking then... a SIM in and then, like, does it work, you know? <laughs> well, at least there is a way. Um, so here's the obvious question. Would you recommend someone buy this A1428, given that you know, let's say, within the next six months, we'll have a new iPhone? Um, not unless you really, really, really need an iPhone 5. Uh, you, like, yeah. if you want a, t- a T-Mobile iPhone today, which apparently they're selling like really well. I talked to a T-Mobile store rep, and he was like, the, the iPhone people are the easiest sell in the world because they come in and they're like, I want that, and that's it. <laughs> that's and, like um, me whenever I go into any store where there's technology involved. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I want this. Just whatever it takes to make you not talk much. Just give me this, and let's just complete this transaction. So salespeople love that, apparently, because it's just, like, easiest commission ever if you're in one of these stores where they give commission or whatever. Yeah, because if they don't give commission, then it's, like, the worst sale ever. Yeah, they don't care. They're just like, well, that sucks. Oh, well. I don't get to talk to a human. Um, (laughs) That, and, like, there's no chance for, like, any upsell. Oh, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if... Yeah, competitive landscape, obviously, we're, like, mid-product cycle. So does it make a lot of sense? You know, probably not. But it's, you know, it's cool to see that with all of the stuff unlocked now. And, you know, I want this to happen on the other devices, too, that I see that are suffering the same um, scenario. Like, basically, they're just the AT&T SKU with stuff um, locked out. Um so that's that's really all there is to say about that until we like test it. But it's the same iPhone and AWS performs great, which was okay. my worry, is that it, it didn't. But 
Now it does. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, so you got a whole bunch of other cool stuff. You finally got the HTC first. Yeah, um, HTC is first. Which is first Android which uh, is <laughs> Facebook home thing. Funniest name on earth because it's like we have the one and the first. So like I guess HTC just really likes being first or number one or like what's next. <laughs> um, it's a great like mid-range device, you know? I like that it's 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 like rounded the same way everywhere, which is pretty cool. Supposedly this was in development forever, like it's not a new design, but it's it's just like it's so cool. And it's like AT&T LTE and it's marginally stock underneath. You know? Um and I say marginally because like apparently my definition of stock is different from everybody else's. Uh like it's it has like a 4G status indicator and then the 4G LTE status indicator. And then um like there's the weird AT&T updater that doesn't work and but that's really oh, that's... like, yeah, I know that's there. So I'm like, how can you people Ugh. call this stock? Like, you're just wrong. Like, yeah. apparently I'm just, I just have different, I just fundamentally disagree. But, but it's, um, it's stock in, in all of the, like, normal, like, UI and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, correct. Other than, okay. it, you know, like, and I don't mind Facebook Home as much as I thought I did. And, you know, like, on battery, it's okay. And it's in, it's an 8930. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it's a neat little phone. You know, it's got the one V camera. It's pretty sweet. Interesting. Um, eighty nine thirty. I we've we've never seen that in a device, right? No, not yet. Even though it's been out for a while. Yeah. Um, and what's eighty nine thirty config again? It's what Adreno three hundred five. Yeah, dual core crate, Adreno three hundred five, LTE, same IP block, all that good yeah. stuff. But this is still crate two hundred based, so this is like the OG right. crate. Right. Right. It's like okay. a gimped eighty nine sixty, basically. Yeah. I gotcha. Um. So you like this thing? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a pr- I mean it's great. Um you know, I don't know if it's the best phone in the world, but you know like if you're if you're a person that spends all your time on Facebook, maybe this is cool. Yeah. You know, it's just neat to see something different, you know? And well, I know that's not like a that's not a real review. Yeah, uh, but it's Well, what do you think what do you say to all the folks who who view it as a um kind of like a Galaxy or a Nexus 4 but with LTE? That's not true at all. And and I, I agree with you, but why why do you say that? Because again, it's it's not really stock Android. It's four point one, um, you know, it's just not. If you want yeah. something that's closer to that, just go buy the Dev Unlocked HTC One, you know, or better yet, just get on HTC's back about having AOSP support, and then then we can talk. Yeah, um, because the, the the implication there is obviously Nexus Four is still going to get updates sooner than the HTC First will. Right. Right. And, okay. you know, like, we'll see. Maybe there'll be an update to that particular phone at some later point. Yeah. You know, which is what I originally suspected. And it's not like LTE doesn't work. It's just only on only on band four and only if you flash back and, you know, like, it's there. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. So the other kind of interesting thing you got is you got the Asus phone pad. Right. Yeah. I got all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so the this phone is, pad is awesome, and it's filled so, with an F. So, for people who don't know this, this is kind of the Nexus Seven chassis, but with Intel. What is it? Lexington? Is this? That's 20, exactly right. Yeah. What's the number? It's Z twenty twenty four twenty. I think twenty four twenty. Um, so it's single core one point two gigahertz. Adam. Um, that's right, but it's got the turbo boost. You know, like it'll turbo boost up considerably. Yeah. And you know when I'm when I'm playing with it, I find that it, it does clock up like quite a lot. You know, like it'll give you the 1.6 bin. Um, Interesting. 
Yeah, which is pretty cool. Like, and there's a 1.4 and 1.2 gigahertz state as well, and then 900 and 600. But it's really it's like a better Nexus 7 that you can use as a phone. You know, like you can call from it, you can text from it, and it's not it's not slow by any by any like um, you know, like even though it's Lexington, you'd think like oh this is the low end Intel thing. It's totally fine everywhere. You know, like I don't see any animations that lag. I haven't seen anything that's like slow. Um, so it's like a better Nexus 7 that's metal, right? Like how did, how, like can we just talk for a second about how Asus can make, uh, like basically this should be low end, a low end tablet that feels premium at an incredible price point, but Samsung can't make like their highest end product not feel like horribly plasticky and it still is really expensive like can we just like what reality does this exist in like i picked this up i'm like is this low end because this feels awesome it's metal what, what what's the price point of the phone pad i forget isn't it like sub 200 i know the yeah the dollar, dollar amount in pounds isn't it like 179 pounds yeah something um, along those lines i looked this up when when you told me you had it actually um it's like 219 euros 179 pounds i don't know what it is in dollars um but I mean, like, that's insane, isn't it? Just like, that's the full price of the device and it's metal. It's got a good, like, comparatively decent enough SOC. You know, it's got the full phone functionality. It's got a rear-facing camera. I just don't understand. I don't understand how this is possible, but we can't have, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I you understand. Know? Like, I just, I mean, like, I, it blows me away. Like, I just picked this up and I'm like, this is insane. And meanwhile, we, I guess it's 249 US dollars. I I just can't believe that, like I don't understand fundamentally, no, no. Like, and I like it. I I placed an hour long phone call from it. Like I just had my SIM in it um, because I was playing with it, and then my friend called, and I was like, "What am I gonna do? Tell him just like hang up. Sorry, I'm not gonna talk to you. Like let me go back to my normal phone." And no, like this is like we need to test this, and I don't find it. It's a problem to hold it. You know, I held it for an hour <laughs> against my face, and it's not a problem. And it actually, it fits in uh, like big jean pockets. Like it fits just fine. You know, like if you're a dude and you have like big jean pockets. Yeah. Like it actually fits. It fits in my pocket. <laughs> you know? I, now, now to play devil's advocate here though, um, Samsung does make a whole hell of a lot more money than Asus does. Right? So like there's the, <laughs> there's the, the point of yes. Um, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's possible to to build something that feels premium and and is a low, you know, kind of low on the pricing totem pole, but it's also possible to make a crap ton of money. Oh no, <laughs> right? I agree so, that there are ridiculous <laughs> margins and that Samsung is just making buckets, you know, yes. like truckloads of cash. Like they sold an eighty nine sixty phone, basically all of last year into this year in droves. Okay, yes. like so the long tail of that product was just making like truckloads of cash. But I'm I'm saying like from consumer standpoint, like I just like that's hilarious to me that this exists. You know, like I think the foam pad is incredible, and, and I know that sounds weird, but it just does. It if and the performance again is ridiculous. You know, like so that, I don't that, know that that makes me very excited for the current generation or or you know the the Im, you know the imminent generation of SOCs, right? Because if we look at single core atom with hyper threading the level of performance that, that delivers if you're saying that that is good right it's good what on a it's good on a mobile device at present yeah 
what we're going to get going into to Bay Trail at 22 nanometer um, and what we're going to get from a lot of these A15 based designs and tablets, um, I, that's just going to be earth shattering by comparison. It's totally fine for me. Like it's, it's just, um, I don't have any problem with this. But now you're not recommending that someone buys this versus waiting for like Nexus 7 Gen 2. I would wait and see the Nexus 7 Gen 2 just to see okay. it. But I mean, if that if the rumors are true and that's another APQ8064, you yeah. know, that and then it is what it is. You know, I mean, that's not going to get me like super excited, you know. If it was yeah. Tegra 4, that would be that would be exciting. Um if it's something else that we don't know about entirely, that's that's even cooler. Um and if it's Intel, that's that's even cooler still just because then you know, like wow, then we finally have something that you know gets the developers on board with this this as being a credible platform um so i don't know like i guess you know like you can say wait and see forever but at this price point that's pretty ridiculous and yeah. asus is always so fast about updates you yes. know like just follow them you know like just everybody else is doing it wrong i don't know what else to say i like it i can make a call okay. from it I can text from it. I am on it. I really want to put my SIM in this thing and just use it 24-7, you know? <laughs> I'm testing other phones, but I really want to do it and see if it's... it's It works fine. I get 3G, you know, here. Um, I don't mind. And uh, the only thing I wish it was a lot better is the camera. Yeah. You know? But uh, that's understandable based on the price point. At least it has one. You know, Nexus 7 doesn't have a rear-facing camera. Yeah. You know, I just did autofocus on it. I mean, it works. <laughs> That's what that noise was. Yeah. I don't know. I'm per- I'm very positive about it. I th- I was I'm more positive about it now than I was when I saw it. You know, like okay. at first I was like, this is just kind of like my version of the HTC America that I wanted them to make. You know. <laughs> you know, um, or HTC America. It would just be like the flyer, but with uh, the ability to make calls, and then yeah. um, like I can see the like the ad now in my mind, like on the side of a bus. And it would be like this tablet like profile and then you'd be like there a phone next to it, you know, and they're laid out like longwise. Yeah. And then um, it'd be like HTC America and then below like the copy, the line would be it's huge. You know, <laughs> like what's bigger than the next big thing? It's huge. You know? But then that happened, you know, like we have the Note eight and we have the phone pads, so like I guess jokes on me. But uh <laughs> I'm, yeah, oh, I'm really positive. I, I ran battery life tests on it. It wasn't bad. I don't I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I mean, it'll go in a graph and I'm sure it's going to be good. You know, like these tablets, like, I, oh, to give you an example, I made the hour long phone call. I had it charged 100% because I was going to do the battery life test. That's why my SIM was in it. I remember now. And um, finished up the phone call, 96%. An hour long phone call, I went like 4%. I mean, that's just, that's insane. Like what? <laughs> That's maybe awesome. maybe that's a reason for it. Like if we have huge tablets with these gigantic batteries, then they'll last forever, and we solve the other problem. That's true. I'm warming up to this thought as like, a, and I'm not joking. As absurd as that sounds, I'm warming up to it. You know. So that's my <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> so you you mentioned Galaxy Note Eight. Um, I finally got the review out on that thing. Um, I I I kind of like it. Like it's 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 weird. Um. It took me a while to like really want to use the pen, uh, but it's great for the situation where you're on the phone 
Um, now, obviously, I would sample the white with uh, the Wi-Fi only version. Otherwise, you know, there's a, there's that other usage model where you're on the phone on the note um, and taking notes at the same time. But I, I'm on the phone, like I have a phone in one hand, and I need to like write something down. Uh, one-handed typing on a keyboard isn't necessarily what I want to be doing. Um, and in that scenario, the S Pen worked really well. The other area where I, I kind of have become addicted to using the Note 8 is is just uh, just using it to scribble stuff down, like to to brainstorm, to plot out new features, or or even like to conceptually understand you know technology that I'm like working on analyzing. Uh, I I actually found myself wanting to use it more and more. Like I, I finished the review, boxed it up, you know, put it aside. And there, there were a couple of days there where I was like, oh, I, I, need, to, I need to just go charge that thing back up and, and bring it out here because sometimes I do want to write something down and it's like a really good size for me to do that with. Um, you don't just write on text or whatever? Just like text edit? Yeah, but I don't always want to... Like sometimes I want to draw boxes, right? Sometimes I want to... Like I want to simply draw. Hmm. If that makes sense. Interesting. No, that makes sense. You want a diagram? Yeah, I mean, and, and it happens a lot. So um, the best example I can give is back when I was working on the SSD anthology, right? I actually went out and bought a whiteboard because I didn't have one, and I needed a way of visualizing exactly how I wanted to explain and organize some things in the article. Um and every now and then I need something like that. And, and it finally clicked for me that, hey, this S Pen thing actually works for stuff like that. I, I uh, And the fact that it's like out of the way otherwise, you know, there's really no downside to, to it being there other than obviously you're paying a premium for it. Um, I, I, I think they're actually kind of onto something. I, I don't see this as, you know, being necessary for the entirety of the market, but I get why it resonates so well with with the folks that it resonates with interesting i guess yeah it's a matter of finding the right thing to do with it you need the one you can call from i know i want you to use that i want you to just like call from it i mean that's that's one of the things that i remember when um one of the things i loved about the touchpad is the fact that you could uh kind of use it to make phone calls right if you paired it with your your other palm device oh yeah Right, right. Like I thought they were onto something. Like there's there's synergy there that needs to be exploited, um, and and simply having a tablet that does that as well that that could yeah that's one way of solving it. Um, I do wonder though, like if wearable computing becomes a thing, if maybe the smartphone loses its stronghold on um, the kind of future of computing, right? Maybe maybe the tablet gets more of that, uh, and then everyone's phone just becomes their glasses or watch or shoelace or whatever. Shoelace. <laughs> I mean, Google I don't know. Shoelace. I mean, yeah, it it. it That's just only gets for integrated. celebrities. They, they yeah. won't they won't give that to you, Brian. Sorry. I know. <laughs> oh well, I'll um, deal with it. There's other stuff we want to talk about. We're we're past an hour and a half. I, I think it's a, a good closing point for now. Um, I I don't want to leave everyone with the impression that that somehow we're very negative on Galaxy S4. Um, but I feel like that's I mean, we at spent the a same lot of time, time. Like we're allowed to have our own opinions, you know. Like yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's 
I, I'm not I negative about it. It's just like it's an it's it's Galaxy S4, right? Like it's not Galaxy S something else. You know, like it's iterative by design. Yes. And um, just I'll be honest, the other players, uh, you know, brought different things to the table this year, and um, I think that for for whatever reason there is like a Samsung following. I said that to to uh, Reuters um, when we were talking about the display. Um, on a call with them i think that's true there is the same sort of like following like there are sites that just track samsung so they're yeah they've cultivated a brand loyalty and when you spend that much money on marketing like you don't get nothing in return and this is this is part of what they got in return yeah and that's the reality of that product at least as far as i'm concerned yeah and i i think that's a valid point like they've crafted um you know as as much crap as people love to give samsung for for kind of uh for how they handled you know everything with regards to apple uh you got to give them credit they're the only other ones that have really created this apple-like following um and and they've done it and they've done a good job of it and to that audience that following i i think the galaxy s4 delivers um, it, it's really if you're looking for something different if you're looking for something above and beyond that or you're not you, you know, you, you haven't bought into the experience for whatever reason. Um, touch that, Wiz. That, yeah. Well, even, <laughs> that, you know, like, there are... there are Touch Wiz animations. Like, I, I was thinking about what you were saying about, like, Touch Wiz making it feel slow. I mean, fast. Yes. Um, I think uh, that's the case, but there are some points where it literally, like, it feels like it slows down, like, especially the unlock animation. I really want to do a video and show these things, and that's that's, to me like just very strange to me and there were some people who were saying like yeah it feels like it's slow but i mean obviously it's not slow like in the benchmarks it's not slow yeah. using the phone it's not slow like just there are some weird touch with animations that seem to have like pauses in them you know interesting i mean i i encountered that with even with the one there there are some sure some situations where it's just not like it, it'll go from butter smooth to not not blackberry slow but you know like there's, it'll it'll run into like a hiccup sure but i mean even ios hiccups like i've gone yes. into settings before and just like nothing happens you know <laughs> i guess my point is that it, it exists everywhere um but uh, you know that is one thing that i've said to you that touch was does I, i've spoken to a number of people who who associate ui performance with touch and and because that was their first Samsung de- or their first Android device that actually had a smooth UI, and they immediately associate that with TouchWiz. Right. I don't know what so. I don't know what to say. Like that's that's their pro- <laughs> that's their prerogative. I think it's a real customer thing. Obviously, Samsung very carefully, um, you know, made this a thing. You know, like it's a thing, and then you know they have their own little. They like the the reality is that skinning the platform worked. You know, fundamentally, I yes. don't like that, but that, that's the reality. Like, it worked. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it worked, and they've created an identity with TouchWiz um, that uh, a, a portion of the market really likes. And, and you know, I, I, I do believe that a lot of them even prefer it. Right. Right. Well, I don't want to end on that on that note. <laughs> um, well, I can, I can talk about two of the features that we weren't able to test that I got to see in person. Um, one was this integration with 2013 Samsung TVs where you could stream content from your, your TV to the phone. I saw that working. That's um, kind of cool. 
I, I don't uh, I, I don't own a 2013 Samsung TV, so it's something I've been able to test, and I don't know if um, like what content protection limitations exist. Um, that is a question I asked. I, I don't have an answer on that, um, but that does work, and and that's one area where uh, I don't know. It's I always like seeing companies that build multiple devices kind of exploit synergies between them. So it's cool that that happens. Um, the other thing I was able to see was the group play thing, right? Where you have uh, one device playing a, a song and you can invite, you know, up to whatever, seven or eight other Galaxy S4s into a group and they can all play the same song at the same time. Um, so I saw that working and that was actually pretty impressive. Uh, It'd be cool if that worked with Galaxy S3 and the Note. Yeah, so if it worked across like old like devices. Just make a software update and make it work. Exactly. Um, anyways, that worked. That was kind of neat. Um, I also got to see uh, a similar like kind of group share thing, but with browsing photos, and everyone could kind of uh, annotate on the photos and, um, I don't know, draw and plan them and stuff. Um, they're all like neat little features. Again, none of these, no, none of Samsung's TouchWiz features on their own I believe is enough to sell the phone. But the fact of the matter is that Samsung put so many of them in there that it, it starts to become a more, uh, it starts to become a platform that you have to pay attention to as a result. Right. I so, get that. I don't know. Good as, for them for trying. As you're, like, as you're walking through all of these features, I'm just thinking, like just visualizing different TV advertisements based around them. Exactly. And that's literally when, when I was first exposed to the Galaxy S4 features, that is literally what I saw. Um, like in my head, I had this, this picture of, wow, I get it. This is exactly, this is going to resonate very well in a, in a TV ad. Um, and I think that's by design. I think they've, they've done an excellent job there. The other thing I'd point out is that Samsung is doing exactly what all of the traditional PC makers failed to do, right? The reason they're all in the mess they are today is because they were dependent on two vendors to do all the innovation for them. They were dependent on Intel to always come out with something new that was going to sell computers for them. And they were dependent on Microsoft to always have the most compelling OS solution so that the combination of the two would guarantee that every time there was a new something from Intel or a new something from Microsoft that they would, no problem, they would just put it on store shelves and they would sell. And the minute that that stopped being the case, the minute that Microsoft stopped uh, necessarily being the the undisputed leader in 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 the software space, right? The minute start Apple started gaining share, and and these guys had had nothing to rely on. They had no software identity. They had no identity of their own, other than what Microsoft and Intel gave them. And then when you get to the point that where where Intel wasn't competitive on power consumption, and and these PCOEMs were just totally screwed. Samsung is doing everything in its power not to live that reality, right? It's, it's funny to me. This is entirely what we're seeing everywhere in the mobile industry. You look at how, how tightly Apple is trying to control, you know, the, the, uh, the iOS experience, how, how strict they are about apps coming into the store, right? And I look at that and I say, well, these are folks who are just trying to avoid what has happened to the PC industry. Right, they they look at it and they're like, oh look, there are all these viruses. There's all this complexity. There's you know, Microsoft has no control over this. It's it's a runaway train. We're we're not going to let that happen, right? So right. you overcorrect. And and I look at I look at Samsung and they're doing the exact same thing. They see the reality that HP and Dell and all these guys were in, 
And, and they said, well, okay, they didn't control their own hardware destiny and they didn't control their own software destiny. So never again, right? We will not allow this to happen to us here, which is great. These are great moves to be having if, if you are an OEM of any, of any sort. The obvious follow-up question then is, okay, if you do that, then, then what are you forgetting, right? What did the PC OEMs do right that these guys aren't doing right? And what's going to come to bite them in the ass in, in you know, whatever, 10, 15 years? Um, and that's what I'd end on. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. And I, I don't necessarily want to kind of babble and, and try and figure it out. But, but I, I feel like that's, a, that's an important question to ask. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of these guys have perfection, right? I no. think they have, they have learned from how the PC OEMs have failed. And they're profiting, uh, profiting um, ha- handsomely because of that. Uh, but but what they don't have is th- they haven't figured out the way to, to kind of the the trick to uh, the path to immortality, right? I don't think they have that. Um, and, and the question is, what are they missing? What is Apple missing? What is Samsung missing? Um, and well, with that, we'll end episode twenty. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, I, I know we've been like super sporadic with this stuff. Uh, either Brian's traveling or I'm traveling, and and I want to do I do want to get back into a regular cadence here. Um, the fact of the matter is, these next few weeks are going to be crazy. Um, we've got Google I/O coming up. We've got a bunch of stuff that I don't know that we can talk about yet. Um, Computex, uh, a whole lot of exciting stuff coming up. But but we will try to to kind of get us all together um, as frequently as as often as possible to do these podcasts. Um, so thank you all for listening. Thank you all for reading the site, and we will be uh, be in touch soon.